Welcome to the JD Power Travel Podcast. I'm Michael Vermillion with JD Power, and with me today are Mike Taylor, who leads our travel practice, Jenny Corwin, our lead analyst for travel, and Andrea Stokes, who leads our hospitality practice. So, Mike and Jenny, Andrea, welcome. Hello. Hello. Hi there. So, Mike, why don't we start with airlines today? Uh, and the, uh, the story here is around middle seats. So we see um, American and United perhaps heading in a different direction from the rest of the industry in terms of filling those middle seats now rather than waiting until the fall. So what's, um, what's driving that and, and what, what's the likely impact on, on traveler uh, satisfaction? Yeah, really, it's a question of cash flow. Um, American and especially United have been trying to conserve as much cash as they possibly can. And the way they're doing that is by scheduling the aircraft and then matching it with ticket demand. And they are putting a somewhat of an artificial limit on how many piece of seats they can sell on an aircraft. And they're also giving the people the option. They're giving them an advance warning that you're going to be flying on a relatively full aircraft. Would you like to switch at no cost? Uh, so whereas some of the other airlines are taking a little bit different tack, they're trying to keep that middle seat free. But in reality, you are not going to be able to maintain six feet of social distance from strangers on aircrafts, period. So there's always going, there, was, there was always going to be this transition period from where the demand is ramping up and people's fears of catching COVID while traveling uh, were going to intersect, intersect and have a little bit of friction. I believe that's the time frame in which we're in. And as I've said previously on this podcast, Eventually, there's going to come a time when people are going to learn that they're not going to catch COVID by traveling. Now, they're not convinced yet, the vast majority of the population, uh, that they won't catch COVID uh, during travel. Um, so this little frictional period, uh, hopefully it's just going to be a blip. Uh, but you know, the bigger airlines with the cash flow problems and the leverage problems and debt problems you know, are kind of in a bind. They can either lose an awful lot of money or they can take a risk by annoying the passengers. And of course, in any time period, it's a much more enjoyable flight when you're not sitting anywhere near anybody else. That you have a lot of free real estate that you didn't pay for uh, to you know, lounge about in uh, in the aircraft, and uh, that time is passing uh, with this COVID crisis as they're trying to fill the aircraft a little bit more and make a little bit more revenue per flight. Okay, thanks, Mike. Uh, next topic is a bill that's in Congress right now being considered called the American Tax Rebate and Incentive Program Act, or the American Trip Act. And essentially, it's a, it's a tax credit that would help jumpstart the travel industry, which has taken a huge hit from COVID uh, this year uh, on the order of hundreds of billions of dollars. Uh, but also, um, it's about jobs. So the travel industry in uh, the U.S. supports something like 16 uh, million jobs, which is roughly one in every 10 Americans. And so the tax credit would be pretty substantial. I think they're proposing something like $4,000 a person or $8,000 for joint filers per year for the next three years. So it's a lot of money. So Andrea and, uh, and Jenny, what are, your, what are your thoughts on this? Is this um, Does this make sense for the industry and for travelers? And, and what's the likelihood it's actually going to, to work? Well, this is Andrea. I think, um, you know, obviously it's definitely good for the industry. I, you know, I do um, question whether it will actually pass. Uh, it's 
while it, it does, you know, focus on industry uh, jobs um, and, and tries to boost consumer spending on travel, um, I think, you know, whether it will have that kind of impact on jobs sort of remains to be seen because I think um, small business owners, right, would, would actually prefer to have other uh, credits to help keep people employed. Um, and so there's the question of, you know, where should this tax credit go? Should it go to consumers to spend or to small businesses, right, to help? help keep uh, people who work in the travel industry employed. Uh, but, you know, it's it's definitely, um, I think, a, an interesting idea. <laughs> um, I'm going to pass it to Jenny to hear her opinion. Thanks, Andrea. Yeah, I, I think it's... Um... I think I have the same reservations as you around whether or not it could it'll actually pass. I, I also am concerned about um, you know, potentially backfiring if you know if a lot of Americans really do go out and take this opportunity to travel and and the industry really isn't prepared to handle this you know an influx of travelers, um, then we really could see you know a case of people catching COVID while traveling and that would you know set us back right. We want to make sure that when we when we do get back to normal, um, it, we don't have to go backwards ever. So um, there is there is that minor concern as well. And I, I still think with the level of unemployment, um, even a tax credit would be difficult to incentivize some people to, to take a leisure trip at this point um, with the with the economy in the state. Now, that's that's not to say that it wouldn't incentivize some people, right? I I would love to have this tax credit if I took a family trip to Disney World, right? Uh, but uh, I I think it's uh, it's it's interesting to see if it'll pass, and then if it does, to see you know the actual impact and the outcomes. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Okay, thanks, Andrea and Jenny. Uh, next um, topic is the uh, updated forecast and outlook for the hotel industry. So. Smith Travel Research and Tourism Economics published, I believe, last week their latest outlook. And it's looking like um, their model is something like a four-stage uh, recovery model that looks to extend um, really about two years out uh, in terms of getting back to full recovery for the U.S. hotel industry. So, um, Andrea, what, what are our thoughts in terms of um, the recovery for the uh, hospitality industry and and maybe even comment on some of the latest developments around um, this uh, potential shutdown in states that are seeing a surge in cases, so states like Florida and Texas and Arizona. Sure. Um, yes. Yeah, so I, I think the the latest forecast from STR is important because it it does now kind of give that time horizon for, um, you know, not only economic recovery, but then the, you know, related recovery in the, in the hospitality industry. Um, you know, it does forecast unemployment um, out, you know, quite far, even into 2022. And uh, this forecast is, is looking like, you know, the, um, low unemployment rates that we've we've seen or we saw up until um, earlier this year, you know, they won't, we won't get back to that for several years, right? So, 
you know, it, it, it kind of puts a stake in the ground, you know, obviously these forecasts get, you know, updated, but it really is putting a stake in the ground, I think, for the hospitality and just hospitality industry to, you know, okay, here's what we're measuring against going forward. You know, the good news is the latest um, weekly report from Smith shows occupancy is, is now uh, something like 43%. Um, just for perspective, in early April, way at the beginning of April, occupancy was 21%. So we've we've doubled since then. So um, it's very good news. You know, Mike, as you said, it's um, really, you know, concerning about what is going on uh, with the number of cases rising in the southern states, right? Um, those states reopened, uh, hotels have reopened there, um, you know, more so than perhaps in, in the Northeast and maybe other parts of the country. But uh, I think if, you know, things pull back, obviously it, it could severely affect uh, hotels um, in, in those states. You know, they're, they're talking about pulling back on uh, restaurants being open, uh, bars, uh, you know, hotels have restaurants and bars, right? So everything that hotels have done to to work on their reopening and make sure, you know, guests are safe, right? Um, you know, they may just have to, you know, pull back on, on some of what they've done. So it's concerning. I think in our, you know, in our next podcast next month, we'll have a better idea about, about where we are with regard to the coronavirus. Thanks, Andrea. Jenny, what, what are your thoughts on the recovery in the hospitality industry? Yeah, I, I think, you know, everything Andrea said is spot on, right? I, I do think the forecasts are using the best data that they have available right now, but this is such a volatile situation. Um, yeah, they are likely to change. Um, I think we're focusing a lot on on leisure travel to really drive the recovery because that's probably going to be what comes back first. Um, a lot of people are still in a work at home environment right now and um, we're kind of changing the way we do business. I did see a report recently that said uh, we would expect business travel to get back to about 70% of what it was pre-COVID um, around this time next year. Um, but since business travel is such a large proportion of occupancy and revenue, uh, particularly around meetings and events, uh, 70%, um, you know, really probably isn't enough. So, um, you know, there's that hope that we do see things start to pick up and there is that silver lining. We're starting to see occupancy go up, but then there's that, that cautionary piece where we see those states closing. So uh, the situation is just pretty volatile at this point, um, but, but there are some, some highlights. So hopefully, hopefully we continue on the right path. Okay, thanks, Jenny. So, team, last topic for uh, for for this podcast is the fact that the unclaimed baggage store in Alabama now has an online store, so you can, for the convenience of your couch, uh, shop the uh, the treasures of the unclaimed baggage store. So, so Jenny, you've had a chance to dig into this. What what are, what are your thoughts? 
I, I just found it really interesting. I mean, um, if you are a, a flea market enthusiast or someone who really likes to find some unique treasures, I feel like the, the unclaimed baggage store is a place to go. And uh, it's just kind of funny, you know, when you've got some free time to marvel at the things that people lost in their baggage and, and never came back for, right? So, um, yeah, there's some there's some interesting finds out there. And, uh, you know, hopefully they keep their inventory up, but no one loses their luggage in the future, so... Okay. Thanks, Jenny. So Mike and Jenny, Andrea, thanks so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And thanks to our listeners for joining as well. Hey, to learn more about the JD Power Travel Practice, uh, you can follow us on LinkedIn uh, under uh, linkedin.com slash showcase slash JD Power Travel and Hospitality. Uh, or you can visit us on the web at jdpower.com slash business. And we'll see you next time.